Verse 1, it says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I, so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food, that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats, so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself, not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go, bring them to me. So he went and took them, and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came, 
and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Genesis chapter 27, and uh, if, if you do not have a Bible, um, we've got some extra ones at the front. Uh, feel free to jump up and, and get one. Not only that, but one of the things that, that we're covering in here is, uh, is about the wild game that Isaac asked for, and he ended up getting goat, uh, but I, uh, I got, some, uh, got some good guys here um, that they're, they're making this morning a little bit fuller for the senses, and they, uh, they've got a hold of some venison. Uh, Jonathan and Shane back there, they came in early, and they have cooked up some venison, and so it's, it's available. If you want to pop up anytime and just go back there, it's hot right now, and uh, so it uh, may help you to connect. Um, what's your name? Okay. All right. Does that help? Okay. Thanks, guys. Um, so, all right. So, there's a Bible in the front. And there's venison in the front, so uh, have at it. Let's pray. God, uh, um, I'm, um, I'm a person that has been impacted by this lesson already. Um, we're going to be talking about what it means to, to try to control things past our responsibility, uh, to be a control freak at times, God. Um, I know that there's others, there's men, there's women, there's boys, there's girls, there's students that are going to fall in the same category because we don't understand the real great news of Jesus, um, that you're in control. And so I just pray, God, that, that you'd reveal this morning the greatness 
uh, that Jesus is God and Jesus is King, so we don't have to be God and we don't have to be King in our lives. And that brings great freedom to us, Lord. Bless every man, every woman, every student, every boy and girl that's here or that's listening to this. We pray, God, that you would speak, that it truly would be the voice of God through Scripture and just Holy Spirit as you touch people's hearts, that they would hear hear you and be transformed. Take just a moment and just prepare yourself for God to speak to you. God, thanks for all the things that are done to prepare for Sojourn Gathered, for, for people that are part of this church that are scattered all over Metro Huntsville, that we come together. We come together to celebrate Jesus. We come together to be taught about Jesus. We come together to just say, man, I, I'm not God, and that's a great thing. Uh, Lord, we come together, and we right now, we posture ourselves with our palms upward, just saying, God, would you pour out to us? Holy Spirit, would you transform us? Would you change us? Um, may we not leave here the same. Um, help us, God, even to get to that place of surrender for the first time or for the 10,000th time, God. A point of surrender in our life to just say, God, do whatever you want in my life. Reveal what needs to be revealed about you and about me, about the, the world and the human condition. And we look for that through Scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Anybody out there know a, a, a control freak? Know somebody that, man, they just, they've got to have their hands in everything? Um, anyone here a control freak themselves? All right, yeah, thanks for the hands. Um, anyone here know a man that has a strong opinion about everything, you know, but can't support themselves without mom and dad's help? You met one of these guys? Um, they're going to go out, they're going to conquer the world, and they can critiques every, critique everybody's worldview, but yet they're still nursing at mama. Anybody know somebody like that? Well, welcome to Genesis 27, because we're going to see both those things, control freaks and adult males uh, here. And I, I just want to challenge you that if, it, if any of this starts starts to become like looking in the mirror, then you need to start looking for the altar, just like I do, and I will. Um, before we hit Genesis 26, 27, I want to hit the last couple of verses in, in 26, which, give, which gives context. Verse 34 says, When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Barry, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. So this is Esau, the firstborn of the twins. And he'd been taught very clearly. You know, I mean, Isaac would have told him, man, I did not marry a Canaanite woman. It took a lot of trouble for, for, for me to be able to find, find Rebekah. And you're not to find a woman outside, outside of the godly women. And not only did... Did Esau not listen to this and he rebelled against it, but he found two Canaanite women and he married them both in the same year, maybe at one time, at least in the same year when he was 40 years old. And it says, it says very clearly that life was bitter. You guys ever, you ever been cracking walnuts and, uh, 
and you're eating, and man, the inside of that walnut is so sweet, and it's so nutty, but then occasionally, or pecan, that may be even worse, you know, then you get just a little bit, just a tiny bit of that inside hole, and man, it just, it makes the whole thing taste bad. Life was like that for mom and dad, of their adult boys, particularly Esau here. Um, I, um, it sets the, stage for, sets the stage for the story. Esau was in rebellion against God, rebellion against his parents. He was, he was an adult man, but still rebelling against the ways in which they told him that he should walk. And God had given him a directive that he'd revealed to Rebekah to say that the blessing is going to come through the second son. The blessing that you're to give that's going to go to all the nations is supposed to go through Jacob. But as we talked about a couple of weeks ago in the story of, of uh, Jacob and Esau, that we have, we have uh, Rebekah who really favored um, Jacob and we had, we had the dad that favored Esau. And it caused all kinds of problems when they had this favoritism. All right? So check out the first few verses in, in chapter 7. Um, it was read to us just a, f- a few minutes ago, but um, it says, Isaac was old, his eyes were dim, he could not see, and he called Esau, his older son, to him. Okay? So this is a clear sign of aging that he's, he's not able to get around as much. His eyes are dimming. I saw at least one friend in here that I just found out this morning had to get glasses, and so he's getting old, and uh, we, we just know that. We know, we know when you start, I mean, I, I'm getting to where I'm holding the books further and further away. I'm getting to where I'm printing off my notes on larger and larger, larger fonts. You know, I got a big stack of notes. It's actually just like one page, and the font's like this big, because I'm aging. But, but it's getting, he's getting very old here. And he says, son, come to me. And he says, I'm old, and I don't know the day of my death. And he tells him, I want you to go out, and I want you to fix me a symbolic last supper. Because he's saying, I, I, this could be it. This could be my actual last supper that I have. And I want you to go out and prepare this. Verse 4 says, prepare me delicious food such as I love. Now, I, I try to train my kids it's like, you know, we don't just throw the word love around. It's like, you don't, you're not supposed to just love, love biking or love football or, or uh, love, love swimming. You know, love should be reserved for, for people. But even occasionally, we'll still throw out that thing of, man, I just, I like it so much that I, that I love it, you know? And, and he's, he says this, man, I mean, this is the kind of food, this is my favorite food is from my manly, masculine son who goes out and he kills it. And he's the one that prepares it for me. And it's the best. And like I said, there's still some venison uh, at the front. If you guys want some, I've already had it and it's, it's good. It's not even all that gamey. Uh, so there we go, people. Uh, feel free. Jump up. Enjoy your venison this morning. Get your protein. Um, but he said, he said, man, I love this. You know, Esau, I mean, excuse me, Isaac thinks that he's about to die and he covertly calls Esau in. He calls him in. Now, he's, he's aging. He thinks he's going to die, but he does not die here. He actually lives at least 20 more years. Um, Genesis 31, 41 uh, clarifies that. Genesis 35, 28 
um, talks that he lived to the age of 180, you know? Around here, man, 80 is, is pretty good. Add, a, add another century to that. He didn't die right then, and, but, but he's, he's aging, and he's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and he's like, man, I want you to fix my last supper, his favorite meal from his favorite son, and he would give the favored blessing in secret to him. We'll come back to that. Now, he makes, it makes me think, you know, what would, what would you and I do if, if, if we were to have our last supper? What, what if you knew that today was your last day? It's your last day. I mean, we, we get done here in, in a, about an hour and a half from now. We'll be finished. We'll be tearing down the brewery, and we'll have some intro to sojourn classes. And I mean, we'll be doing some other things. People will be going to lunch. It's like, what would you do with the rest of your day if you knew that you were not going to wake up tomorrow morning? What would your last meal be? How would you spend your time? Who would you spend your time with? And what would you do? Now, as for me, at least on the what would you eat, it would be, it would be Cuban. It would be, it would be lechon asado with, with uh, maduros and tostones and, and with black beans and rice and yuca with mojo on it. And I'd have a jupina and a Cafe Cubano. Now, for the rest of you guys that are they're not from Miami or South Florida, that means I would have roasted pork with lots of garlic and, uh, and onions on it. The tostones is, is when they take green plantains and they smash them and they fry them and put salt and garlic uh, on them. And the maduros is when they take ripe plantains, which both of those are a type of banana, and they, and they uh, I guess they saute them or maybe they fry them. I'm not quite sure, but they're sweet and gooey. Uh, and the yuca is, is a kind of a potato. It's a rooty thing. And the mojo is this marinated uh, onion that had, that's marinated in this like sour orange and a bunch of other garlic and onion. You see some patterns here. And uh, it's just so wonderful. You just better make sure the people that you love eat the same dish because you're going to blow them out of the water with your breath. Pupina is just this pineapple soda, and Cafe Cubano is uh, espresso-made Cuban style. It's unbelievable. Anybody hungry in here? There's some venison in the front <laughs> if you need some. And if anybody wants to make a road trip, just before you get into Nashville, uh, right there is a place called uh, Back to Cuba, and you can get that dish, and it's unbelievable. It's worth driving two hours, eating, and coming back home. And uh, somebody, some of you guys have got some, you've figured out what you're going to do your last day of your life, right? Um, but I, I think that's what I would eat. But as far as what I would do, I, I think that I would want, I think I'd want everybody to come and spend time telling me how great that I was. And how much of a difference that I made, you know, on, on this earth. Just, uh, you know, just come and roast me. Come and... Come and tell me how great I am. That's really what, how I'd like to spend my last day. If it's my last day, um, I, I'd, like, I'd like to know those things. I think that's probably where my, where my sinful heart would be, would be. Would you make much of me today? Now, contrast that to Jesus' last day and His last supper. You know what He did? You know how He spent His time? He washed the dung-clad feet. Of his, of his followers. And he told them, look, my body's going to be broken for you, my blood is going to be spilled out for you and all my enemy and my enemies. 
That's how, that's how Jesus spent his last supper and his last day. It's a pretty serious contrast between him and me. And him and, and Isaac, at least Isaac's idea of what the last meal was going to be. Isaac was rebelling. He, he plans to give the blessing, of the paternal, the father blessing to his choice instead of, instead of God's choice. You know, it's kind of like, it's, Isaac is doing what we do, where we're just like, no, no, God, I mean, you know, I know you had some good intentions, but, but you missed it. You've got it, you got it wrong. Let me help you out here. Just go have a coffee break. Um, I got it. I got it. Sometimes, when we oppose God, He presses His will, that is, what is best, he presses his will forward anyway. And that's what happens in this, case, in this case, in this scenario, in this story, is God, he overcomes Isaac and Isaac's rebellion. And he still goes through with what he wants to do. And, and what, what I want you to know is when, when that happens, when we rebel against God and God presses and does his own way, then it's painful in the short term for us, but it's healthy in the long term. Are you with me? When we're rebelling, when we're, we're outside of God's will, and we're pressing forward, sometimes God is so merciful that He still overrides our stupidity. And He presses His sovereign will. And so it's painful for us short term because we're, we're screwing up. And we come to a place of repentance, but then healthy long term. But that's not the way God always does. Sometimes when we oppose God, He gives us what we're asking for. And it's pleasing to a short term but it's painful long term. You hear me? It's man, it's great, man. I got my way, I got my way. Then it's all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, what have I done? Long term. You know, I, I the, the prayer of my heart and your heart needs to be, God, please save me from myself. Please, God, save me from my own flesh. Save me from my perspective. God is, offers those that are sons and daughters of God, those that are Christians, He offers you the, um, the mind of Christ. If you've gotten a new heart and He saved you, you have the mind of Christ that's available to you. We don't always access it. We have the heart of God accessible to us. We don't always accept, access it. Pray and just say, God, please, please be merciful with me because I am an idiot sometimes. You ever prayed that prayer? You might need to pray that prayer and just say, God, please, would you, even when it, even when you have to run me over, would you please do what's best in the circumstance and please don't let me just delay, delay obedience and delay repentance. Please work in my life. Now, we'll continue on. Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son. She was, uh, she was eavesdropping, you know. She's like, she's like, okay, all right. Um, Isaac's up to something. But I heard it. I heard it. And so she inter- intervenes because Isaac's like, okay, this should, be, this should be where all the family's there. Everybody should be there. You should bring in all the servants and everybody that you know. It's like we're going to have the blessing, or at the least, at least the whole family. You know, man, everybody come in. This is... This is a watershed moment in our family. I'm giving the blessing. And he didn't do that. He was doing this in private. He was being, 
He's going behind the back of his wife. He's going behind the back of his other son. And he was pressing in a way that God didn't, didn't want. So Rebecca said to her son Jacob, she goes to him in private. You got sneaky Isaac. Now we got sneaky Rebecca. And just wait for sneaky Jacob. Bring me game and prepare me delicious. Um, that she, I'm sorry. He says, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. And to do this. Now she says, now therefore my son, obey my voice as I command you. Mom says, obey my voice as I command you. Now guess what? All my kids are minors. They're 14 down to 6. And when, and when Danielle says, obey my voice as I command you, they need to say, yes ma'am. Here we have a guy that's at least 40 years old. 40 years old, single man, living at home. And his mom is saying, okay, here's the strategy. I'm commanding you, you must do this. There's a huge problem here. A huge problem. It really, it, 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 uh, it, it's, uh, to give some insight on Rebecca, she's, she's pursuing what is right. Because she knows that it's wrong for Isaac to give this blessing to Esau. And so, in her heart, there is a desire of, this should not be. And she was correct. That's right. In, in wanting what's right. But she pursued it in a sinful, in a wrong way. Sometimes, we compromise on the means to get to the ends. I'm telling you guys, when you compromise the, end, the means to get to the end, it's still sin. It's still sin. Sounds like Sarai back in Genesis 16.2. Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, quite literally. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. She didn't even know. Sarai's like, well, take Hagar because maybe this will work. That's, That's not a very compelling or a good reason. So you got Rebecca now. She's like, listen, all right, your dad, I mean, you can almost just hear it. It's like, your dad, he's, he's got his plan and all that, but we're going to circumvent his plan. Watch this. Listen to the plan. All right, X's and O's, watch this. You do this. You go around here. I block here, and you score. Do what I've commanded you. Uh, how many of you have a controlling mother? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise um, again, I mean, if you're a minor, your mom has got to be a controlling mom. She's responsible for you. But where it's incredibly creepy is when she tries to control you after you've left the house. God's original design for men and women set in the beginning was that they are to leave and to cleave. That was before there was even other people to, to leave from. You're to leave and, and then, then cleave. And, and, and by the way, just single folks, by the way, it, it's not a really good idea to, to jump straight into cleaving if you've never left. You need to leave and stand on your own. And, and I, I used to be a singles pastor, and, and, and one of my challenges for singles, I mean, we live in, we've got a lot of um, affluence here in Metro Huntsville, and so there's 
a lot of times single adults don't have to have a roommate. They can afford their own apartment. They can afford their own home. You know, they can afford their own toys. And it's like, man, I don't want other people in my space. I'm telling you, one of the best things you can do, single adults, is get a roommate. Get a roommate. Because later on, you're going to transition into having a roommate. Now, I, I would... My, you need to have roommate of the same sex now. That's, that's the best the best choice, and wait for the, the gender issues to happen in marriage. But have a roommate or more and, a, and embrace the friction that comes through having, through having a roommate. Because marriage is a community. And if you live in isolation, things will implode when you start the community called marriage. I was just, I was just extra for you guys this morning. Um, I mean, she said, do what I tell you. I mean... Seriously. At least 40 years old, maybe 50, maybe 60, we don't know. But, I mean, dude, I'm 40. And, and, and moms, listen, moms are supposed to be moms. They're always going to be in your business. They're always going to be asking you, are you taking your vitamins, you know. They're always going to be buying you socks or, or a new pair of pajamas. Just, and you know what? Let them do that. It's wonderful. Love your mama. And, uh, because there, there's a day coming which mama won't be there. And you will just wish that you still had mama around to buy you socks and to ask you if you're, you're eating your four squares, right? Three squares. Six squares. I'm not sure. However many mom wants me to eat, right? Um, but if... And, and I, I mean, I look around and, and, and I just want you ladies to know that if, if you are still in your adult daughter or son's business, trying to press in and try to control them, you are in sin. The Bible says to honor your mother and father. The Bible says to obey. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. Minors, obey your parents. Adult children, honor your parents. There's a distinction there. You're not to obey your parents anymore. You may, you may go with the counsel that they gave give you out of love, but there's times in which you may not, but still honor them. Honor them for loving you enough to, to speak into, into your life. But I'm telling you, dads and moms, you've got adult kids, love them, pray for them, give counsel, but do not control them. Do not. Ladies, uh, but wives, if you are trying to control your husband, you will fail miserably. Some of you ladies, you're not even married yet. I'm telling you, you need to decide right now, God, I do not want to marry a man that I could control. You don't want that. You know what the, one of the biggest problems in that is, wives and future wives, is you may succeed in controlling them. And if you succeed in controlling your husband, you're dead in the water. Be honest with them. Tell them what you think and see. Tell them especially how you see how the, the gospel informs decisions that you're supposed to make. Be a good, be a helper that helps. Tell them what you see and, and speak into life and the decisions that you're in. But do not control. Do not manipulate. That goes for men as well. But ladies, specifically, if you do, if you control your husband, you're cutting your own throat you will emasculate your husband and your family will fail. And if that's what your goal in life is, then go for it. But I don't think it is. Trust God and believe in your husband. 
Put that in your heart. Put that, store that away. Trust God. Believe in your husband. You'll honor him that way. Verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and, and not a blessing. And his mother said, Let your curse be upon me. You know, here, here we have, we got a, we've got him clearly admitting what he's about to go and do. It's like, well, if I go and I manipulate and I lie to my dad, man, he, he, may, he may figure it out because, because I'm just this, I'm, I'm this whiny, wimpy little inside guy and, and my, my voice isn't even low enough for him to think that it's me, for, for, me to, for him to think that it's Esau. And, and, and really, it, I may get cursed because my dad's supposed to be blessed. And so I'm afraid that I may be cursed. You know what? That sounds, that sounds a little bit like confession, but it certainly isn't repentance. And it's not confession. It's not, there's no conviction there of like, what I'm doing is wrong. All there is, is is a fear of the consequences. And this is, you know, I mean, I, I see this in, 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 in raising my kids, but it's not just for kids, it's for us as as adults as well, that many times we, we work through the grid of what we're going to do based upon how bad it might hurt if we're, found, if we're found out. There are times in which we've caught, our, caught our, one of our children and maybe a lie or they've just done something, tried to cover it up, and, and man, they're crying and they're just so upset about it. And Many times you can tell when there's a difference between they're so sorry for the discipline that's about to happen or their heart's really broken because that's not who they're supposed to be. That's not where he he was, though. Um, Are you a control freak? Did you know that that word is in the dictionary? Um, In the concise Oxford Dictionary, it says... A control freak is a person who feels an obsessive need to exercise control over themselves and others. Feels an com- obsessive need to exercise control over themselves or others. By the way, there's a really cool noun that's a derivative. It's control freakery. And I just, I just had to say that one because it sounds so cool. But someone else defined a control freak. Listen to this. As one who does inappropriate things to manage the outcome of a situation. One who does inappropriate things to manage the outcome of a situation. This was Rebecca. This was Jacob. Uh, well, this, is, this is Isaac, but this is Jacob even more. And we're going to see a lot more of this in Jacob's life in Genesis chapter 32. When you feel like you've got to control everything and, and you're, you're a perfectionist, not that you're perfect, but that you want everything to be done just right. Is this you? Because if, if this is you, I want you to know. You drive everybody nuts. Everybody around you. You drive them crazy. Do you know that a preacher can be a, a control freak even with, with preaching? You know, if, if my win in preaching is for people to make decisions for Jesus Christ, then what I'm going to do is I'll be tempted to try to manipulate you, to try to leverage you, to where you will make some sort of an emotional response, even if it's not a spiritual or a true heart response. 
Because the win is, man, I've got to see people making decisions. I got, let me just be real honest with you. I'm a, I'm a guy that my favorite tasks in the world are the ones where you can, when you do it and you clearly see what's done. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were in Nashville and we're painting the walls of just this, this really beaten down apartment complex and an impoverished area of downtown Nashville. And I'm like, man, and I'm like, at, at first, I mean, I, you know, I had a, I had a paintbrush and, 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 and Daniel knows this well enough, is, is I'm not really good at cutting in and doing the details anyway, but give me a roller. Give me a roller. And I can do broad strokes, man, and I can cover a lot of ground. And, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just rolling and rolling and rolling. And, man, I, you can look and it's just like, wow. You can see the difference. And, I'm, and, and, and I come from a background as a, as a preacher standing here in churches where we did altar calls. And we brought people up to the front to make decisions. And the reason we don't do that is not because, it's not because there's something wrong with that. It's just, just matters of, of, uh, of, uh, of conviction and, and uh, just kind of where we are. But at the same time, man, I would, love, <laughs> I would love to see the aisles pour. I'd love to see people on their knees. I want to see that decisions are being made for Christ. I want to see conversions. I want to see people being sanctified. I want to see people that are surrendering to Jesus Christ. But that's not the win. The win is not for decisions to be made for Jesus Christ. The win, the win is, is for me to just preach Jesus. The win is to preach, to glorify God, and to tell His story, and to call people to Him, and leave the results to the Holy Spirit. Now, most of y'all aren't preachers. But whatever it is you do, what is your win? Because whatever that, whatever that win is, and is, if it's something past what you can actually do, you're going to try to manipulate things probably. You'll be tempted anyway. But what if the win is whatever it is in your job is to glorify God by doing your job and leaving the results to the Holy Spirit without compromise? What's my problem as a preacher? My problem is that sometimes I don't believe God. I, I, I don't believe that I'm fully accepted by Him. Therefore, I have to perform to make Him like me more. And this is completely false. So therefore, I, I have to control things to make sure that I'm okay with myself that I'm okay with others, and that I'm okay with God. But the truth is that I'm free to wallow in grace, knowing that I'm accepted by God, that God will continue to work in my heart, and that I do not have to control people or circumstances. I don't. I don't. And neither do you. You don't have to control people. You don't have to control your circumstances. You can just be obedient and believe God. Let the chips fall where they, where they will. Do you know why you're a control freak, if you are? Fear. You fear failure. Because whatever that failure is in your heart, it means you're not, in your mind, you're not accepted by God, or you're not accepted by others, or you cannot accept yourself. Fear. You think that if you don't have 
everything manageable that people will see that you're imperfect. Well, guess what? They're imperfect and, and so are you. We're all in the same boat. We, guys, we've got to learn the gospel. We've got to know that Jesus died as your substitute because you're not perfect and because you can't control everything. He was perfect for you, yet He was rejected for you. As a result, you can be proclaimed perfect and accepted by His Dad, God the Father. Guys, that is the greatest news in the world. And I'm hoping that there's some, one of my friends here that you're not a Christian and you're hearing this for the first time. They're just like, oh my goodness, wow. I, I don't have to live up to all my expectations or my mom's or my dad's expectations. I don't have to be perfect. I know I can't be anyway, but I mean, I, I, can't, I can't walk this maze of, of, uh, of life according to my worldview. I, I, can live it, I can live my life according to God's worldview. To where he says, I took it. I took it. And because of this, the pressure is off. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to appear perfect. You don't have to manage your life perfectly. You can be free in Jesus Christ. Verse 14. So he went and he took them and brought them to his mother. His mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebecca brought the best garments of Esau. And then she put skins of young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Now, guys, honestly, the first time I read this, I was like, okay. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, cow skin, goat skin, I mean, that's not even close, right? I mean, I'm like, I'm like dude, the dude must be senile. Well, um, I did some research, and some guys uh, that wrote a commentary, Fred, Friedrich and Delich, um, they said not to think of these as our modern-day Western goats, that most likely these were what were called camel goats, that they had black, silk-like hair, um, and that it was even used for hair even in the time, time of the Roman Empire. And so most likely it was that to where, you know, I mean, certainly this guy would qualify as a werewolf, it sounds like, but, but uh, um, you could have a lot of fun... Um, at a frat party with, with him. No, no. This guy's he's woolly. Um, just the kind of guy that he he could he could do anything masculine. Um, and what's interesting here is is that you see a strong a strong man and a weak male, and yet they're both sinful. And so we need to be careful that we don't idolize the strongest masculinity and, and to make sh- to think that that is what godliness is but certainly we don't we certainly wouldn't idolize being a weak male either we idolize is, is Jesus only um, again we we, uh, we don't know exactly how old Jacob is when he res- deceived his dad but he was at least 40 years old I mean, he's not a 12-year-old that's being manipulated by his mom, um, but he, he listens to his mom, he deceives his dad, he marginalizes his brother, and both, both Jacob and Rebecca are to blame in this. Let's talk about Rebecca for a minute. Um, 
Ladies, do you manipulate to get your way? Do you? Wives, do you go behind your husband's back? Things of social nature or financial nature? Wives, do you withhold affection from your husband till you get what you want? Ultimately, becoming a prostitute in your own family? Wives, do you, do you really want your marriage to be a trade of commodities? Girls, do you manipulate your parents, your siblings, your friends? Do you make them think one thing just to get what you want? Stop it. Stop it. Just like if you were standing there beating your head with a hammer. I say stop it. Because you're just harming yourself and harming those that are around. But let's look at Jacob. Men, you know, are you a manipulator? Do you leverage to get what you, what you want? Um, men, or adult males anyway, you, you realize that you're supposed to be a man, right? Do you, do you go back to your old ways of doing things when it suits you? Do you try to play coy and make a decision because someone else influenced you and, and shift the blame to some, someone else? It's like, well, well, this person told me to do it and I got counsel from this person. Says, Grow up! Be a man! Take responsibility. Don't be an adult male Be a man, and not just a man, be a godly man. Be a Christ-like man. Ladies, be a godly lady. Be a Christ-like lady. Trust that God is big enough to take care of whatever the problem is. Whatever it is in the relationship. And you're just like, well, if I would only just do this and do this, and and I know it's a little bit wrong, or a whole lot wrong, but but the end of it will be so good if I do this. Reject that! Reject it. I need to... I mean, wasn't Jacob supposed to get there anyway? I mean, he was supposed to get the blessing. He was supposed to, but, but that, was, that was the end. And he compromised the means to get there. Mark Driscoll said concerning this story, he said, the means is just as important as the ends. We call this church sojourn to remind us that the destination is important, but the journey is just as important. Don't waste the next step. Don't waste what may be the Last Supper. You don't know. What if if you know that you're going to rise in your company that you're in, your organization, or in your company, that project manager is, is just past your reach or, or vice president, man. It's just the, the next logical step. And you may be the, the golden boy or the golden girl in the company and being, being groomed to get there. Man, I mean, it's just, you know, man, the destination is just right there and you're going to get there. Perhaps God, He really wants you to get there. I, I mean it. That God is taking you to that place. You're doing your best, but 
you see your obstacle. You see it. There's someone between you and the destination. There's someone between you and your goal. And now we find out if you're really following Jesus Christ. Scenario one, there's, there's someone leading that is not the best choice. You are. You would be a much better leader, okay, in this company, in this organization. Man, you could do a much better job, at least in your mind and perhaps in reality. You would be the best leader. You will most likely be in that position someday. An opportunity arises to take advantage of your leader or your colleague. What you have to do would only expose how inept they are in their skill set or in their leadership. However, you will have to cross moral and ethical lines to do it, and you cross them. You compromise the means to get to the end. Scenario number two, very close to the same. You would be the better leader. You most likely be in that position someday. Opportunity arises, but instead of taking them, taking them apart to see them fall, you do what you can to help them succeed. Did you hear me? An inept leader. Someone that's, they're not doing that great, but instead of you cutting their throat, you give them a boost. That takes faith. It takes faith. Because in your mind it may mean, and in reality it may mean, it may be a year or two more before you get that promotion. Or before that big breakthrough in your company or corporation happens as a result of following Jesus and of loving your neighbor, maybe even loving your enemy. That is faith and that is godliness. You love someone enough to assist them and truly that is the person that needs to rise up in leadership. Be that guy, be that lady that says, God, I trust you so much that I can build up my enemies and try to assist those that maybe they're trying to cut my neck and I will trust that even if I'm fired, even if, even if they push me out and I'm shunned, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you. Because your name is more important than my name. I want to give you a biblical example before we close and then we're going to have the second half of this message next week. David had already been anointed by Samuel to become king someday. David, already anointed to become king someday. He was an influential leader. People followed him. People desired for him to be king. And Saul was after his head. Saul was a control freak. Warren Wearsby said this about him. He said, Saul envied other people's success. He was suspicious of any strategy that he didn't originate or at least approve, and he was ruthless when it came to removing people who challenged his leadership or exposed his folly. Man, that sounds like me at times. Here's the story from 1 Samuel 24, 4-7. And the men of David said, here is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards, afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, 
The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David, listen to this, he persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Some of you are in sales, or you will be in sales someday. I mean, I've had different crazy sales jobs. I mean, I sold the big, the big satellite dishes that are just like koi ponds, you know, in people's backyards now. And, uh, um, and enjoyed, enjoyed sales. Well, some sales managers will press you to use manipulation techniques to make people do what you want them to do. What you want them to do. I'm going to come back next week. I'm going to start there. And I'm going to give you some of the manipulation techniques that is big in the marketplace and in the business world. And then we're going to go forward just in looking at this this horrible page in the corner, a page in the book of, of this family's life and the manipulation that took place, the dysfunction within this family of how they all were lying and deceiving one another. And this is, I mean, it, it was, it's be fodder for the best soap opera. Men, you need to be men. Some of you, you need to do some internal inspection and say, you know what, I've been passing off, I've been passing off what I do, what I believe, my actions, my words, I've been passing it off to others, blaming others, like, well, they counsel me this, they counsel me that. You know what, you just need to man up. You need to face the music on some stuff that you've done that's not right. You need to take whatever hits are going to come to you. But you need to be a man. You need to stop manipulating. You need to stop the death of a thousand cuts that you've been doing at work. And you need to love even those that are your enemies in the marketplace. Like students, you see this very clearly. I remember, I remember middle school and high school. Middle school is the hardest for me. A death of a thousand cuts. They don't just pummel you all at once. Sometimes they do. But many times they just cut, 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 and you bleed out. I know what it's like but you need to love your enemies and trust God, believe God that he, he can use you. Ladies, don't manipulate. Wives, don't try to control your husbands. There's, you'll see more as, you, as we study further just the utter failure that took place in their family to where she did not get what she really wanted. It hurt her in a, in a big way. Uh, Jesus, um, pray that you... Just impact us. Help us to know, Lord. I, I just declare that we, we don't have it within ourselves just to man up. We don't have it in ourselves just to, to be totally ethical or moral. We don't have it in ourselves to be, to be perfect. And so you were that for